All right. Well, welcome to midweek service. Um, we're going to be in the book of James, where we had uh, initially started a few weeks ago. We're going to pick up here. Um, obviously, I'm going to be taking a, a little bit of a, a medical hiatus, if you want to call it that, for a little bit. Um, uh, I've been dealing with uh, some of those issues, but I've got the surgery tomorrow. Check in at one o'clock. Surgery's at three. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, just, uh, continue in prayer for that. Um, not, uh, too concerned about it. I uh, got, uh, two, two surgeons. And as Mike was saying, if I've got one that's named Dr. Sunshine, I gotta do a surgery with Dr. Sunshine. You know, that's, uh, that's, it's hopefully going to turn out pretty good. So it's better than a Dr. Slaughter that, uh, that I'll definitely say, but uh, let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started and uh, start uh, right into uh, the lesson tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we again we thank you for this time and uh, this opportunity to get into your word and to study uh, the book of James. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just give us a clear understanding of the doctrines and the applications that are contained herein. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just give us uh, that strength of uh, mind tonight that we'd be able to focus uh, on this, uh, on your word receive an instruction uh, from you, and that, uh, Lord, we would understand this concept of uh, wisdom, as you're talking about here, uh, concept of patience, joy, faith, all of these principles that we see in our Christian life that we're supposed to uh, possess that you've freely given to us. And, Lord, I just pray uh, that tonight we would desire to receive those things from you and desire to grow in you and uh, grow into a Christian that pleases you and honors you and glorifies you with everything that we do. Again, I thank you for all that you've done for us, and I pray that tonight would be just a blessing unto you and uh, just a, uh, a time of uh, uh, glory and praise. And I thank you for all of this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so we started in the book of James, in James chapter 1, and just to kind of uh, back into uh, some of the, uh, the the verses here and kind of familiarize ourselves with what we're talking about. Verse 1 of chapter 1 in the book of James says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of 12 tribes, which are scattered, scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. But knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given uh, him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Uh, for let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double Minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we, we take a look at these first eight verses and we've talked a lot uh, already about uh, patience, um, faith being a key to patience. We find faith again as one of the uh, main principles and applications of this book. We also find it important in regarding wisdom. So, you know, we, we go over and we talk uh, about faith, and faith is a very important thing. The book of Hebrews establishes that. First uh, Corinthians 13, which talks about charity, talks about three things. It says faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of them is, is charity. 
And again, you know, that's the attitude of a heart and, and, uh, um, how a person should, uh, being, you know, behaving themselves towards others and what their mindset should be. But we also see there that he says, you know, charity obviously greater than faith and that in order for faith to really flourish, it has to have charity involved as we see in the first part of that chapter where he says if he hasn't, if he doesn't have charity, uh, if he has faith but doesn't have charity, he, you know, he's nothing is what Paul says. But here we're, we see James talking about faith and he relates it not only to the concept of patience and having patience, because again, you have to really truly believe God at his word and obey to truly experience what patience is. I mean, as an example, how long did it take for uh, David to become king? How long did it take for, um, uh, uh, you know, Abraham to have Isaac, uh, to, to, he didn't even see the, the complete fulfillment of the promise that uh, God made to him uh, back there in, in, in Genesis uh, chapter, um, I believe chapter 12 it is. But what we find here is we find that faith is key to that patience. But we also find that faith is also key to the joy that he had mentioned here, uh, uh, very quick, you know, just very briefly when he says count it all joy, uh, because again, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We have to believe what God's telling us and do it and obey, which is the concept of what we see with this book, because again, he's talking about faith and works. He's talking about demonstrating that faith with the works, just like Abraham did. He believed God at his word and he went, he obeyed. So what we find here is we find in this passage that we're just uh, starting to, to talk about is this getting of wisdom. And we're going to pick up with verse five and maybe get down to verse eight. Uh, hopefully we'll see if we can make that type of traction tonight. But in verse five, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, this is an important thing because many times we see uh, Jesus Christ saying, if you ask of me, I will give. Uh, we see certain principles throughout Scripture with this. This is why comparing Scripture with Scripture is, is important. Because sometimes you'll get these individuals that run around and they sometimes call themselves promise claimers. Or that's uh, kind of uh, the mentality that they have. Is they see a promise in Scripture, they think it applies to them and they immediately claim it. Well, there's promises to a lot of different people in this book. Not all of them are for you. Uh, not all of them are for anyone else. Some of them are for you. Some of them are for someone else. You know, here specifically, we see some things talking to the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes need wisdom. They're going to need wisdom when they're going through the, the, the tribulation period. They're going to need wisdom when they're going through those struggles, when they're going through those difficulties, and they're being purged. They need that wisdom. They need that instruction. And, and, and here he's saying, look, if you lack wisdom, and I'll tell you this, it's a spiritual concept to understand that. It's a spiritual concept that when the Lord shows you that you don't have the sense God gave a grain of rice. It, let's just be honest, all right? <laughs> you just Sometimes you just sit there and you're like, you, you you try to do something and then it just kind of hits you and you're like, well, duh, I should have done it that way. 
And, and you realize after, you know, floundering around for however long, you're like, oh, why, did, why didn't I do it right the first time? I mean, how many times have we said that? Why didn't I do this instead of that? You know, hindsight again, as we all, as the, the adage goes, is 2020, right? We always look back and go, oh, well, now I see that. Now, I will say that adage only applies to certain things because there are still some things that the Lord has done in my life I still don't have complete visibility of. I don't know why they've occurred or why they've happened, but I know and I trust the Lord that uh, regardless of it, whether it was to grow me or grow someone else, uh, whether it was just to, for his honor, glory, and praise, and and that's it. And every time everything is for his honor, glory, and praise, then then, then that should suffice. But I'll tell you this, you know, you look back and, and, and you realize, man, I need some more wisdom. And, and, and as a spiritual person, we should realize I need the increase in wisdom. I mean, the book of Proverbs talks about that. And he says, you know, get wisdom, get understanding, uh, you know, get these things. Don't sell them. Don't, 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 don't give them away. Uh, don't be the man that is void of understanding. Don't be, don't be the sluggard that takes what has been given and does nothing with it. I mean, don't be that person. And we see the spiritual concept throughout the book of Proverbs. As you continue to read, and some people do the, the, the Proverbs a day, and that's a great thing. Uh, I tell you, you know, sometimes you go through there and you see some of those wisdom in a practical, physical sense. But some majority of them, you see there's a lot of spiritual, deep application with them. And that's what he talks about when he says these are dark sayings. You need to get in there with the light, and you need to dig spiritually to get some really good spiritual application. And we're supposed to be spiritual. I mean, you go over to the book of uh, Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6, and he says, ye which are spiritual, restore such one. People that are spiritual, and he he says, look, you're going to have an understanding of whether you're spiritual or whether you're not. That's part of this wisdom. When you realize, hey, I need some wisdom that comes from God. I need wisdom about his word. I need wisdom about his will. I need wisdom about his ways. I'm not trying to alliterate. They just all start with W. But, you know, I I need wisdom, right? I need to have those things. So, and when I look at this passage, and I like to look at this passage in the light of, you know, kind of one of my things that I, you know, think is an important thing to do, and that is looking at counseling. You know, if if somebody's going to counsel somebody, and, and this is an important thing, because we should all be counselors to some level, okay? I'm not talking about being a counselor to the degree of, the, you know, you're out there doing some sort of psychotherapy or something of that nature. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about there's going to be times that you have to give counsel to somebody. There's nobody else around. God's put you there. You've got the Word of God, and hopefully you've studied it so that you can give right counsel because remember there's also a wrong counsel where there's a right there is a wrong it's going to be that way there's good there's bad you know we we understand those concepts so here he is he's saying look if you lack wisdom if you lack wisdom and, and, and again you have to come to an understanding that it is deficient in your life that's a spiritual start. Saying, I am deficient in this category. I'm deficient in this category. 
And we start off with faith. We begin to grow that faith and then we begin to realize, hey, you know what? I need some more wisdom about what I'm supposed to be doing with my life and how to help other people. I, I need wisdom with that. I mean, that's what, that's what Solomon asked. Solomon said, I have absolutely no idea how to lead these people. I haven't got a clue. Lord, I need your help. And God gave him wisdom. And here, James is reinforcing that concept, saying, if you ask for it, you'll get it. Now look, this is where the faith comes in. Because you have to believe that that wisdom is contained in the sufficiency of Scripture. And this is a big issue. It's a big issue because people will try to say, well, the world's got wisdom. Yeah, okay, I get it. The world's got wisdom. They've got a worldly wisdom that's out there, street smarts and things of that nature. I get it. I understand it. But you know what? There is a wisdom that is better than that. And that is the Word of God. And that's the wisdom that you need. You have that, and I guarantee that other wisdom will be stuff that just kind of comes naturally. But what we see here is we see that this wisdom that we're supposed to be looking for, or that, that, that we're, you know, that may be lacking, we're going to ask of God, and we have to realize that, you know, in faith, I'm going to believe that it is contained in the Word of God, and it's going to come from God. It's not going to come from Freud. It's not going to come from any of the latest uh, fads or things that are out there. Uh, um, uh, you know, some of the behavior modification techniques that are uh, going on currently and um, uh, with uh, with uh, certain secular and humanistic um, uh, treatments when it comes to counseling. Giving somebody a humanistic response when they need a biblical response is just going to drive them further down the hole. It's going to cause more problems in their life. Because a, a, a humanistic Biblical or uh, non-biblical worldly response does not provide them the hope that they need that they can find in the Word of God, and, and, and we'll see that because again, you, when you take a look at verse eight, you find somebody that has an unsure hope. That's the person that's kind of got the hope that it's kind of like, well, I hope I win the lottery. It's a fifty-fifty chance. And somebody that is double-minded is that type of a person. They lack faith. And they lack wisdom because they lack faith. And they become unstable in everything that they do. They're unstable in their words. They're unstable in their mind. They're unstable in their heart. And when they're that way, they're going to stumble and they're going to fall frequently. Frequently. And he says here, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And again, this comes back to this key part of understanding the source of wisdom. Understanding the source of wisdom. Keep your place there. Go over to the book of Colossians. I've been studying Colossians, uh, when we can, when I'm, when I was here, um, on, you know, um, it's Sunday school, but in Colossians chapter two, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse uh, 3, just to back up here a little bit uh, to, to this uh, 
uh, to the concept in verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Again, assurance comes from an understanding of Scripture. Somebody that is uh, struggling with um, eternal security, somebody that is struggling with salvation assurance, is a person that is struggling in the understanding of Scripture. And I can say that from a person that struggled with it. And it says, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now look at verse 3. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in him. The closer you are to Christ, the wiser you will become. The closer you get to Christ is through his word believing his word and obeying his word. It's not just a matter of reading it and going, hey, yeah, okay, I believe that, and then doing nothing with it. Like, say, the, the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they knew the word of God. They could quote scripture. The scribes knew the word of God. I mean, they, they, they wrote it all day long. So, I mean, again, they knew these things. But did they apply them to their life? No. They chose a humanistic approach. They chose the traditions of man over the word of God. They chose their righteousness over God's righteousness. So therein is, you know, we see that, 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 that problem. And he says here that if you're going to lack wisdom, don't go look in the library. Don't go to academia. Don't, don't, don't think you're wise because you've got six, you know, seven degrees and you've got half the alphabet after your name. That doesn't necessarily make thing, people wise. Just because somebody might have a PhD after their name does not mean that they're smart. Back in the day, I always used to hear all the time, what does PhD mean? Post hole digger. <laughs> You know, <clears throat> I, I remember I, I used to have a PhD. I used to dig some post holes. You know, it's not fun. It's not, it's backbreaking work. But again, you know, just because somebody has that behind it doesn't mean that they're a smart person. But I'll tell you this. God has given us this and he says, let him ask God. This is an acknowledgement of where the source of wisdom comes from. We have to believe that by faith. We have to believe that by faith. The secular world is going to push all sorts of wisdom. They're, they're pushing all sorts of stuff nowadays that goes 100% contrary to everything that has ever been taught. Goes contrary to science. It goes contrary to, to common sense. It goes contrary to everything. And it's just like, now wait a second. And where do they think that they can get that from? Well, they've got their degree at Google University. They think because they can Google it and it pops up, they think that that's automatically what the truth is. That's not the case. You gotta research stuff. You gotta be able to go in there and discern what is right and what is wrong. What is of man and what is of God. 
what is truth and what is not. I mean, as an example, you get on some some forum and it's a bunch of people giving, you know, uh, if you will, anecdotal evidence. That's not truth. That may be an experience that they had, but it's not 100% truth because that's what happened to them. It's not what's going to happen to someone else. That was a unique experience that happened to that person. Why is that? Because there is no other person like you. If there is, that's just weird. But God made us all unique individuals. We all have unique experiences. That's why using experiential type stuff doesn't always apply. We have to go back to a foundational source of truth, which is scriptural. Otherwise, we become a humanist in saying, well, my human experience was X. Okay, you can use that to bolster and support certain things of truth to say, okay, I believe this happened or this is true and I here I'll give an experience of some of the things that happened to me that are similar to it or like it or are an example of it. But that's not the truth. What is the truth is what is like the word of God. That's what we have to go back to. And again, he says, let him ask of God. Don't ask anyone else. Don't go ask the Pharisees. Don't go ask the other apostles, the disciples. Don't go out there and go to the theological seminaries and start looking there. Don't, don't, you know, go to those things. No, start with God. And I, and I like that mentality. If you lack wisdom, go to God first. Human beings have a tendency, and Christians and believers have a tendency to go to God when everything else has failed. We've tried everything else. Now let's try God. And then we're like, oh, hey, that worked. (laughs) He says, let him ask of God. And what is, what is God's attribute? What is God like? You know, people think, you know, in the world, they will think that God's a taker. A child gets sick, passes away. They think God took their life. A loved one passes away. God took them from me. Got to be careful with that. You got to be very, very, very careful. I understand that God gives, God takes. Totally understand that concept. But God is so much more of a giver. It's his nature. It's who he is. Is not God a gift giver? Salvation. It is what? The gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's a gift giver. The, the book of 1 Corinthians addresses how he is a gift giver. He gives uh, gifts to men. The abilities that you have and the capabilities that you have are of God. Not everybody can do the same thing. You go out and you tell me to go build a stone wall 
I'm going to look at you like, hey, I got this number of a guy you can call. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. It's going to be the worst looking wall you've ever seen in your entire life. I don't have those abilities. Well, yeah, you can learn them. You can, I, I get that. I understand that. But some of it is also very instinctive in nature because you go back over there in the book of Exodus and those guys that were building the parts to the tabernacle and stuff, God gave them the wisdom to build those things, to be artificers in brass and, and to be able to mold those things and make them look good. Look, I've taken the art classes. I've been in the art classes where the person sits down and they think they've got an art talent. And you sit down and, and you, you make something and you look at it and you go, ah, ah, what is that again? Because <laughs> you don't know what it is. Oh, it's a picture of my dog. Oh, I thought it was your grandmother. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you, you never know. You never know. They, they, they think that they've got these, these abilities or something and it's not the case. But what we wind up seeing is we see that God gives this wisdom and he gives, as it says there, that giveth to all men liberally. If you're saved today, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've called upon the name of the Lord for salvation, you have got some gifts. You've got eternal life. Amen. You've got a gift of, you know, and I know our body waits for that redemption, but one day you're going to have a perfect body with no problems. Oh, praise God. After the year that I've been through, praise God, I'm looking forward to that. But I'll tell you this, that's a great gift. But, you know, I look forward to those things, but let's think about the gifts that I have now. I have a gift of the Word of God that He gave to me and He preserved for me so that I would have it, that I would be able to read it and have a relationship with Him. No other book is like that. I'm not going to have a relationship with Shakespeare because I've read Shakespeare, which I actually find rather droll. If you like Shakespeare, hey, more power to you. Um, I've, I've, I've read Charles Darwin. I don't have a uh, relationship with that guy. That guy was a little bubble off plum, in my opinion. Something was not right. Something was not right. And then people took that book and and ran with it. And then they realized, oh, I guess, you know, that's not really politically correct, considering it's talking about the furthering of the white race. Oh, my word. Yes. Yes, you want to talk about systemic uh, um, uh, racism? Yeah, you know where it starts? In our schools when we're teaching evolution. Oh yeah, I believe in systemic racism when we teach evolution. So how about we don't teach evolution? How about we teach creationism? That it was created by God as the Bible says. Oh, we can't do that. That might offend some people. You don't think Charles Darwin's title of his book is offensive to people? Okay, you got a problem. Because you're elevating man over God. That's an issue. But what we see here is we see that that we've got the the word of God that God gave us. He gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us. 
He gave us uh, um, other people to be around so that we're not alone, other fellow believers. He gave us churches that we can assemble together with, whether we're in a building or in a field, it doesn't make a difference. We've got, you know, groups of individuals that come together and they sing and they worship God and they give praises to him, whether it's in secret or whether it's in open. We've got great gifts. God has given to us so liberally. And God has given, as it says here, give it to all men liberally. He will give you as much wisdom as you are willing to grab. Now that's, now that's the thing. Think about this. You're put in one of those chambers that's got all that money that starts flying around and you've got a minute to grab as much money as you want. And you stand there and there is, there's, there's literally a million dollars blowing around you. You have an opportunity to grab a million dollars. And you just stand there with your hands in your pocket. People would look at you and say, well, you're an idiot. Why didn't you grab any of the money? Well, I wanted the money. Why didn't you get it? Well, I wanted, you know, somebody to put it in my hand. God gives to men liberally if they're willing to get it. If they're willing to receive it. That's the big issue. Because a gift is not completed unless that person takes it. You don't get salvation unless you receive it. You can't just sit there and go, yeah, I know know there's salvation and I know Jesus died on the cross and yeah, I know those things. Okay, yeah, you know it, but do you believe it? There's a big difference between knowing and believing. Number one, they're spelled different. Let's just start there. They have different definitions. They're two totally different words. But either you're going to believe it and receive it. Because again, remember, the devils believe and tremble too. So they know and they believe, but they have not received. Big difference. Big difference. Number one, Jesus Christ didn't die for them. But number two, it's a gift that's given to all men. He's given liberally. Salvation is given to everyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here he is, you know, showing and demonstrating over and over and over again how he gives liberally. But you know what has to happen? You have to believe it and you have to receive it. In the case of what we're talking about with James here, we have to believe it and you have to do it. And what we see here is he, he makes that very clear. Because he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He's not going to come back at you and say, you know what? You've had enough wisdom for one day. I honestly don't believe God would ever say that to anybody. You want more wisdom? Okay, I'll give you some more. Your brain might explode, but you're going to get some more wisdom. You're going to get something from it. He's not going to upbraid you for asking for wisdom. 
But when somebody says, well, hey, you know, I, I, I want a job that makes a million dollars a day. God's going to ask you, where, where's your heart? You know, I want an easy life. God says, okay, where's your heart? Are you willing to go through some stuff for me? Again, we've got to understand that. He's not going to go and upbraid us if we're asking for things that are of his will. And the wisdom of God is in his will. It's in his will. If you're seeking the the will of God, start off looking for wisdom. And you'll get it. You'll begin to realize exactly what the will of God is. And it says, and it shall be given him. It shall be given him. It's going to be a wisdom that's given to him. Now, I I want to point this out in in conjunction with um, verse 7. And I know we're skipping over verse 6. We'll come back to it. He says, for uh, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Well, why is that? We're going back to a lack of faith. If the person doesn't believe that it is of God and that it's godly and that he needs it and that God's going to give it, then he's not going to get it. It's just that simple. He's not going to get it. And he becomes double-minded. So take a look here. And and, and James expounds on this a little bit more in chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. I want to point out some, some more about wisdom here. He doesn't just drop a wisdom bomb and then move on. He picks up with it in chapter 3, which we know chapter 3 is a very spicy, we'll call it that, spicy chapter. Because it really gets to the heart and the root of a lot of the problems that we have in our life. And that is we cannot keep our mouth shut long enough. That's the problem. Because what's in our heart, what happens? comes out sometimes when we don't want it to and when it does come out it just kind of looks at us and we look at it and everyone else around us looks at it and we're going like yeah so we understand that there's a lot of things here excuse me and where does wisdom show up again wisdom shows up in chapter three where he's talking about the tongue so in 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 verse 13 Verse 13 of chapter 3 of James, it says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? And he asks that right after saying, the problem is, is you can't keep your tongue. And he says, Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Wisdom is not proud, by the way. Wisdom is meek. Wisdom is not one of those things that you, you go walking around and going, oh, hey, look how wise I am. Well, you just became a fool by boasting about it that way. I mean, what are you going to have, like, you know, little wisdom badges? You know, I'm, I'm not making fun of, you know, uh, any of those programs or anything like that, but we're not going to wear them like a little Boy Scout sash. Excuse me, the Scouts now, whatever. Um, you know, that has all those little things on there. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at my wisdom badge. 
Look, I got, I got, I got the first badge of wisdom. Oh yeah, well I got the five badges of wisdom. <laughs> Somebody's like, well I got the seven pillars. <gasps> you know, yeah, come on, that's not wisdom. Wisdom me is meek. Wisdom is 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 a lot like charity. It's not going to sit there and vaunt itself. It's not going to boast. She doesn't do that. She's very different. But what we find here is it says that, uh, you know, you need to show this out of a good conversation. His works. Show what God is doing in you. Not in a demonstrative, uh, you know, performance. This isn't, you know, you know, interpretive dance that we're going about doing in the Christian life. And saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, everything that we do with this good conversation, talking about the works that are being done, should always point back to the wisdom of God. It always goes back to God. It should always go back to God. Somebody asked me the other day, how in the world am I keeping my mind straight? Right here. The Word of God. Start there. That spiritual relationship with Christ. He says in verse 14, he says, but if you, uh, but if you have uh, bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. And one of the main issues why wisdom does not exist is because somebody is envious. They're not content and they cause strife, problems, fights. Because he says in chapter four, that's one of the reasons why you war is because you lust and you desire for your own heart. Not for the things of God, but we'll get to that in Lord willing shortly. But in verse 15 is where I want to get it. It says, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. I want you to look at those things. Now we're going to look at those a lot more in detail, but I want you to see how he describes it. It's not from God. It's from the earth, which means it's temporal. And it's sensual, meaning it is all about pleasure and a physical experience. And it's devilish. Well, what does the devil do? The devil is a liar and a murderer from the beginning, is what God said of him. That's what Jesus Christ said of him. When he told the Pharisees that their father was the devil, he said he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. All the way back there in Genesis chapter 3, what did he do? He lied and he murdered. He's a lying murderer or a murdering liar, however you want to pick it. But, but, but the fact is, is that's what he did. That's who he is. He's always going to be that way. It's not of the truth, as he talks about, as he says, you know, in, in, in lie not against the truth, that's what happens. When people say, well, I've got this wisdom, and they think they're all wise, and then come to find out it's not wisdom. It's some made-up fact. It's some sort of, if you will, uh, uh, anecdotal experience that they've had or, or some sort of personal uh, out-of-body whatever. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it lies against the truth. It's devilish. It goes against God's word. And he says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. 
Now, again, I don't want to get too much into this because we're going to get into more detail, but he says there's two types of works. There's good works and there's evil works. There's things that glorify God and there's things that harm other individuals. So we begin to see this here. He says, but the wisdom that is from above, meaning it's from God, is first what? Pure. Then peaceable. It's not wisdom if it causes a fight. I'll say that again. It's not wisdom if it causes a fight. Peaceable. Gentle. If you gotta smack somebody, it may not be wisdom. Now look, I understand there is a huge temptation to smack people today. Uh, and, and, and there's that one that every single time I see it, I gotta laugh. That, that says, right now, if Jesus has, has the wheel and Jesus is driving, he's gonna take a sandal off and he's gonna slap all of us in the back seat with it. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's coming. But, but, but the, but the concept is, is it's gentle. If you have to exhibit anger and you have to do things with wrath, as God says, you need to be careful with that. If you have to do things in a violent manner, it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom. You know, part of, part of the problem that America has is, is we've got a fascination with violence. That's one of our biggest issues. And, 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 and people, people promote it, put it up there. Saw a t-shirt today and the t-shirt said something along the lines that it says, Americans it says, we'll cross a freezing river to come over and kill you in your, in your sleep when it's Christmas and it says, yeah, that did happen. That's what we're capable of is what it's basically saying. Well, I understand what was going on. I understand, you know, at that point in time, you know, our country was forming. I totally understand all that. But look, that stuff happens in war. You don't laud the violence of war. Why? Because it's gross. It's not, it's not pleasant. Fighting is not good. But all those things come, as he says in verse 4, from our own lusts. And he says here, it's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. It's not a hard pill to swallow. It's full of mercy. Notice there's so much more to it than what the devil offers. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Everybody today wants everyone to be together as one. But they, they sit there and they say, well, we want to be together as one, but then we're going to divide everybody up into their own little races. No, how about we're all human beings? Who cares what color the skin is? Let's just start there. Let's just start there. But no, everybody's got to be put in their little box. We've got to label everybody and they're all their partiality and stuff like that. So on and so forth. Without partiality. And notice this, without what? Hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. And that is a big thing. 
Because why? Because that's exactly what the Pharisees were showing. And what is hypocrisy? Nothing but humanism. Hypocrisy is saying, I know better than God. I know what God's word says, but I'm going to do the complete opposite. That's hypocrisy. You're playing the fool. Literally, that's what the part of hypocrisy is about, is playing the fool. Hypocrisies and hypocrites were actors. They played a part in the play. And let's be honest, generally when you're getting up there and you're acting, you're acting like a fool. The fools used to go and do what? Entertain. There was the court jesters, which were called the fool. And what did they do? They would come and they would entertain with their foolish antics. Things that were stupid. And we see a lot of that today. We see a lot of that. And a lot of that is promoted today. You know, people put up there and say, oh, you know, uh, you know, my, my idol is, you know, some actor or actress. They're a fool. They're playing a part. And if they're that good of one, what do you think they're doing now? When they're out there in the world. And then everybody gasps and clutches their pearls when one of them dies from a drug overdose. But here we see that God's saying, you want that wisdom? First and foremost, acknowledge it's from God. And second, ask him for it. Ask him for it. And don't sit there and think that if you think, oh, I can get God's wisdom and I can take man's wisdom and I can put the two of them together and make it work, it doesn't. They're not compatible. They don't mix. As a matter of fact, it causes a violent reaction. People said, well, it's like oil and water. No, it's more like throwing sodium in water. Something's going to blow up. There will be sparks flying for sure. There will be shrapnel involved. It's not, a, it, 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 it doesn't, they, they don't work together. You cannot have a humanistic Christianity. Those are, those are oxymorons. They, they do, they, that's an oxymoron. They, they're contradictory. But people are trying to get that today, which is to make themselves God and their own truth and their own belief and their own faith and their own this and their own that. No, it's all God's to begin with. We got to start with that as the wisdom, you know, the first step of wisdom. This is all God's anyways. Including this body. Including this life that I have. He bought it. It's his. If you buy a car and you let someone else use it, whose car is it? It's still yours. So if they get parking tickets, guess who it goes to? You. People have found that out the hard way. You may have bought it. Somebody may be using it, 
but it's still yours. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. We're God's. He redeemed us with his precious blood. He purchased us on that cross and through the power of his resurrection. End of story. Let's start with that point of wisdom. Do we believe that? Do we, do we believe 1 Corinthians 6? That's a big one for a lot of people. Why? Well, it's my life. I get to do with it with what I want to do with it. No, that leads you to James chapter 4. War and fight. That's what that leads to. But that's not what I want to do with my life. What does God want you to do with your life? Let's start there. Young people, they're always, and look, I was a young person once. I know, I know, shocker. Um, and, 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 you know, I remember sitting there and fretting and worrying. Oh man, I'm going to be graduating college and, or graduating a high school and, 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 and I need to know what to, I'm going to do with my life. And, and, you know, I got to start a family and I got, I got to get a car and I got to, I got to find a place to live and I got to, I got to do this and I got to feed myself others on ramen. I got to, I got to, I got to do something with my life. I, you know, I got to make something out of it. I got, I got to make my life worthwhile, right? I got to, I got to do something productive. I, I got to do something that's beneficial. I got to do something that's, that's good for me and maybe help others. You know, I, I, right? No wonder young people are driving themselves in, 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 mentally ill. And, 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 and just committing suicide in droves. Why? Because they don't give them any answers. I remember going to the college counselor saying, okay, well, I've got these different things. And, and the college counselor is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of things going on in the thing you're thinking about. No, duh! Can you help give me some direction? Well, you're just going to have to pick one and choose. I would have had a better conversation with the brick wall outside than with that guy. I just remember, and it was a required meeting too. That guy was just punching a time clock, okay? And he was college educated, and 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 he's punching a time. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting there going, uh huh. Did he help me? Not at all. Did I flounder? Yeah. Did I almost go into a way of sin? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But I tell you, only by the grace of God and only by his mercy did he continue to, like, correct my path. Uh, your weight will get back over here. <laughs> Praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. But young people are just so frantic and, and they're so just, you know, filled with themselves. Because now, now all of a sudden they have responsibility and they think that because they have responsibility, they, you know, it's all about them. It's not. It's all about God. It's all about Christ. Let's start there. Let's start there. Before we start thinking about anything else, let's start with the spiritual path. Let's start with the spiritual path. But here we see, as he says in this passage in verse 6, but going back to James chapter 1, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but it says, but let him ask in faith. If you're going to ask God 
for wisdom, first and foremost, ask in faith and believe that God has got to be the source of wisdom and that he's going to give wisdom, and you know where the wisdom is found is in his word. Let him ask in faith, not wavering. And then he gives a description. He says, for either way of earth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You know, there's another place over there in the book of Proverbs that describes that same person. And you know who that is? The drunkard. The one that tarries at the wine. The strong drink. Says he's like at the top of the mast. Back and forth. Staggers about. You know, you realize that that drunk that's over there uh, is is very much talking about the wisdom of the world, and the wisdom of the world will make you drunk. It will make you drunk. You will not be sober because the wisdom of the world is foolishness. See, there's more to that spiritual connection there than just say we're talking about alcohol. There's a physical component, but then there's that spiritual side of it. The wisdom of the world will make you drunk. And he says, don't be drunk like that. What do you need? You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Don't get, and people always take that verse and they try to, you know, and I never understood that. They would take something physical and he's talking about something spiritual. And it's like you're trying to make the two fit together. Again, they don't work. He's talking about something very, very spiritual. Don't be drunk with the world. Don't be drunk with false doctrine. Don't be drunk with traditions of men. Don't, don't, don't be following those type of things that would be the man void of understanding. No, talk about the spiritual things about being filled with the spirit, having the fruit of the spirit, having that wisdom of the spirit, having all of those things that we've been talking about that, 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 that God provides, that God gives. These are things that we have to go to God in faith and say, Hey, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe and obey. I'm going to receive this. Because a person that's going back and forth and that's wavering is somebody that is tossed about with unbelief and what they're doing is they're using fleshly things to try to apply to a spiritual thing and it's coming up empty. It's coming up empty. Again, you, you take a look at some of the effects of alcohol and what it does. It dulls the senses. You can't discern. Uh, one of the things that, that I like to do is, you know, I like to watch a lot of, you know, legal things and learn because that's my field. Uh, you know, some of them would come up and, and it's DUI arrests or, uh, uh, you know, while you've got people that are under the influence of whether it's, um, drugs, alcohol, marijuana, whatever it is, things of that nature. And you just see how they behave. You have the people that, you know, the, the guy's like, no, I want you to stand there. No, stand still. Stand still. No, stand still. And the cop with all the patience and grace in the world, stand still. No, no, stand. Okay, you see that line? Can you walk that? No, not, 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 not the dotted line in the middle of the street. Let's go over to this line over here. You know, you're trying to, it's just, it's hard to communicate with people like that, isn't it? That's why you need the wisdom of God. It doesn't dull the senses. It heightens them so that you can discern and be aware and be in control and have God control 
what you're doing. Like your emotions. When somebody is out of balance in their emotions, they're like a drunk person, aren't they? You know what they need? They need the Word of God. They need some balance. They need some structure. And they're not the person that's driven all over the place. I mean, what does he talk about when he talks about over there in the book of Ephesians? When he talks about people that are going after false doctrines, he talks about how they're driven, you know, like, you know, like the wind. They're just blown all about, right? They're all over the place. And, and I tell you, that's one thing that you can clearly find out about whether or not it's a, it's a cult or a false doctrine or it's a man is it changes frequently. It changes frequently. I'll say this and then I'll, I'll be done, but, but just to kind of point out, you, you take a look at how many times do they have to have certain councils come up or get all the prophets together or get you know, these group of men together or whatever it is to come and decide, uh, you know, what they're going to do in the world and how they're going to respond to certain things. And not one of them do I see, well, we don't need a counsel or anything. We just need to go to the word of God and get the answer. And there was there was one uh one false religion that's out there, and you know what? For the longest time, they 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 were racist. They actually taught that if you were you know a, a dark skinned individual, that you were a son of Cain and you were cursed. That is the most blasphemous thing I have ever heard in my entire life. It is disgusting. And it is anti-God. It is anti-Christ. By the way, all of Cain's relatives died in the flood. Let's just make sure we got that understanding. Well, they might have slipped in somehow. Maybe. No, 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 no. Quit watching the movies about Noah's Ark. (laughs) And stick with the word of God. How about we do that? I'm going to get getting off on a tangent here, but let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer and we'll, we'll pick up Lord willing, uh, once I'm back and kind of recovered, but, uh, let's get back. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and dismiss with a word of prayer. Dearly father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again for all that you've done for us. And thank you again, Lord, for just, uh, giving us the wisdom from your word and, and Lord, how easily accessible it is. And Lord, I just pray that we would be individuals that would be desiring of receiving it and receiving that of you. Uh, again, Lord, not for our glory and honor, but all for you, for your praise and for who you are and what you've done for us. And Lord, to just testify how great and mighty a God you are, how gracious and merciful, giving, loving, and caring you are. I thank you again, Lord, for those that are here. And I pray, Lord, you just take us home safely tonight. Again, Lord, give us opportunities to be a witness, hand somebody a track, give them the gospel, speak to them and tell them their need of a Savior throughout this week. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. This I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.